Hello and welcome to Learning, Laughing, and Loving with your co-host Evan Money and yours truly, Scott Jones. This podcast is all you need. If you're looking to learn about the world, do it with a smile and to connect to the deeper mysteries of human life and the kind of connection everyone is looking to make. We start turning the mics on and talking. Scott brought this out, I think, episode two or three. He said, you know what? You know, we sure have a lot in common for being on different sides of the aisle. And I said, that's it exactly. That's the simple truth that sadly the media doesn't want everybody to know is we agree on so much, but they want to hyper-focus on, you know, the one minuscule percent that we don't. So yeah. this show is all about learning, laughing, and loving from both perspectives, both sides of the aisle. And we're and live. Glad to be with you. Yeah, we're live and we're recording. So Perfect. Evan Money, two weeks outside of Trump, like losing or in dispute, how do you feel? <laughs> well, again, as the non-political person, there are on the, again, Republican side of things, there are a lot of faith-based people. Uh, and to some that are watching this show, they scratch their head and say, how can you be faith-based and a registered Democrat? That's that's one big thing that we dispel on this show. But uh, my bride brought up an interesting point, Scott. It was, you know what, as, as some people are like, oh, I can't believe so-and-so won or my guy didn't win or this guy didn't win or whatever. But God's going to use whoever he wants to use whenever he wants to use. So as much as we can get all wrapped up and, oh, we got to fight for Trump, but we got to do this and do this. It's like God can work with Joe just as easy as he can work with Donald. So it's really, for me, the way I structure my businesses and companies, you know, all the free money that's coming, I welcome it. I receive it. I'll take it. Uh, so I'm just excited that this is, again, record numbers at the polls, right? People are actually exercising their right to vote, which is exciting. So I am optimistic. Win, lose, or draw, regardless. I went and checked, you know, who's got so many electoral votes. And I think we were talking last show, my daughter has a little color chart to color the states, right? Like who got what state? So she goes on, she goes, ah! I already colored that state red. Why is it blue? What's going on? And so she's having some fun with that. And as we're all walking through this process. So I think life is tremendous and it's still tremendous. Again, win, lose, or draw. And it goes back to us being, taking full responsibility and being great Americans, regardless of our guy guy in or not. Because the point, the simple truth is they're just the president. They're not kings. They're not dictators. They're just the president. So in order for things to get better, we need to get better. In order for things to improve, we need to improve. In order for things need to, to grow, we need to grow. So I'm not a, I'm not a big believer in you know scapegoat the president, the president should, and all this. It's all about what do I need to do. So that's so what, what we're at. what. What are the three biggest investment opportunities in in the Biden thing? Because you're like, there's money coming in, or just give us two, because you don't want to like sell the secrets, but. So just give us a couple teasers. Like what, what are the things that like with the Biden presidency, cause you're a smart guy. I mean, you know how to like leverage money and, and help it go to places that are inventive and, and creative and also blessing the world that are practical. What, 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 do you, what could you say one thing or two things? Sure. I'll, as you cut out in technology here, so we're, we're riding the gamut of Facebooking live and squadcasting. What can happen? So I've missed the last two seconds of what you're saying, but I'll, I'll answer it this way. So 
Traditionally, when I get free money from the government, uh, we, we earmark a large part of that for generous giving. And so uh, one of my core values and lifestyle goals is radical generosity. And if you look at the word radical, uh, Matthew Kelly has been teaching me in this book, Rediscover Jesus. The word radical means you get to the root, get to the root of things. And so radical generosity is getting into the root of like you and I talked about, you said you're embracing the stuff that we shared off air about the freedom of like, you know, so there's still limited mindsets and things I have around scarcity and, oh, no, I don't want to give this much and do this and do this. So I want to be radically generous in all areas with generous with my time, generous with encouragement, generous with finances. So when I see the the old Joe ads of, you know, specific numbers, like if you're this person, you're going to get this much free money. If this person, you're going to get that much free money. And I'm looking at the screen going, Sure, I'll cash that check. I don't, <laughs> I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. So that's what I alluded to with the free money uh, that's coming this way. So again, we'll receive it. We'll take it. No problem at all. Um, that will be a joy to, again, earmark some of that for more generous giving. So that's uh, uh, really where that's going to go. But that actually is radical in the sense of at the root, like most people – when they get free money, like corporatist or, or you think of kind of like special interest groups, they don't say if you get free money, you give it back. So you're kind of saying like, like you're putting your money where your mouth is. You're like, I don't want the government help. I'll give it back to pri the private sector. So, I mean, that's radical. <laughs> In a way, yeah, I remember when the, the PPP loans first hit and all this stuff, and they were talking about free money. And I was like, I remember uh, I was actually invited to speak, as I was telling you about, with uh, my congressman. And, you know, I, I shared with the group. I was like, look, I don't want any free money. You know, what I'm looking for is a long-term low-interest loan as a business owner. I, I, don't, I don't want a handout. I, I, for I want people that are, this is Ted Lieu. He's a big, he's pretty high up in the Democratic establishment. So you sat with Ted Lou. Sat with Ted on Zoom, of course, right? But what was he like as a person? Actually, you know what? Ted was really cool. Um I was it was I didn't tell I didn't tell him this on air, but it'll probably come out. I was like, dude, if I knew you were this cool, I probably would have voted for you. <laughs> I mean he was I mean he was attentive. You could tell he wanted to be there. He was, I would say non-political, right? He was just like, hey, look, I'm here to help my constituents. I don't care how you're registered. And, and look, like, let's let's frame the thing. You're pro-life and he's pro-choice. And you said to him, you would, you would cross the border to vote for him because he's like a nice guy and, and thoughtful. No, he was, again, the anti-political guy. He was just like, hey, I want to talk to all my constituents. It wasn't just, hey, Democrats only. It was like, and he was interested, right? And he was human. Like, even like, hey, Ev, I love your background on your Zoom call. I was like, oh, yeah, let me tell you about it. And so he was so gracious with his time. Uh, some of the people in that group, uh, definitely, you could tell, was some you know, as the train was kind of get off the tracks, he was, again, it was the anti-political guy. And I was just like, man, I wish the world could see this Ted. Uh, and it gave me hope, actually, for the Democratic Party. So, yeah, there's uh, things we disagree on. But, you know, the way he is representing the 33rd District, I am all for. But I also have to share this on the free money side, a quick shout out. So, 
a good friend of mine, uh, he was hired by Dinesh and his team to do the music for the latest Dinesh movie, which is Trump Card. And so he actually wrote the song Free Money that is in that documentary. <laughs> so nice. we always laugh when we, when we talk to each other, free money, yeah, free money. So just a little fun thing there. Oh, wait, I thought you had, a, had I, I thought that was a story, like, and you stopped. <laughs> that was, that was a short shot. There, I'm getting like the full delay with you. So we're doing the, the awkward on, uh, you know, the, the classic to whether it's NFL network or CNN or whatever, where the, the reporter's waiting 10 seconds off to ask the question. Oh yes. Let me talk about that. But hopefully the, exactly. the loop will catch up. Um, but you, you were saying you had some groundbreaking stuff for me, and I've got some stuff for you. But lay it on me today, Scott Kent Jones. What do you got? Right, here it is. You want me to lay it on you? Can God die? Oh. Where'd you get this? Hegel, Nietzsche. I've been working on a film that, with an atheist filmmaker. who His name is David Shields. He's a genius and he loves Christianity and he's asked me to do a one week project. Just talk every day for three hours about Western philosophy. And every day I'm exhausted. Like we, we talk about it and I'm, and can God die? And, and, and my answer was yes. Like mm. this is what we see in the cross. And he's an atheist and he's like, I love your faith. Like, this is, he's kind of like, what if I became a Christian at some point? And he's the Seattle liberal, like, he's he's a man of the left, as am I. Um, and he was so enamored by my intellectual explanation for how Christianity enables you to say that. Mm. That God can die in the cross. Like we have this, it, 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 that no intellectual philosophical perspective reigns over God. I mean, it, 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 that the Christian God is the God that can deny our absolutes and, and can mm. throw up contradictions. And God throws up the cross and says, well, do you think... You can explain me. Explain the cross. <laughs> and then how does that translate to business models? This is the thing. There's no cruciform business models. But like, if you think about like, <laughs> oh, my God, I have this idea where I'm, 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 I'm making a collision. And can you do it? Yes. Scott Ken Jones says yes. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. So I want to ask you a question because you, you brought something up, and this was um, something that Dennis Prager has been championing. Champion, championing is would you consider your – do you think there's a difference between the left and being a Democrat, or do you think they're one and the same? And if they're different, which one would you be? I'm a classical liberal. Okay. In the sense of like, so is David French. So is everybody that thinks 
the Constitution matters. I'm a classical liberal. And my fear is populism on the left and the right are eroding liberalism. Like, this country was founded on this radical belief that people could be free and be independent and yes and 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 mark out their own story and and i think on the left and the right there are these populist versions of the story they're like what's well, over it doesn't matter like you know it, it, there's the trumpian version okay we're all make america great again and there's the bernie sanders Oh, we're going to put a chicken in every pot, and here's the thing. It's going to be fine. But the messy place is to stand where you and I stand, right? We're like, okay, we have policy differences. We don't agree on climate change or or the answer to abortion or this or that. And you just have to stay in the messiness and say, well, all we have is this interesting process to process things. Mm. And I think you know, patience, right? Like the only thing you can recommend is patience. Like, and so, I mean, I'm a Democrat, I'm a registered Democrat and I think I'm a liberal, a classical liberal, but, but the left scares me right now. I mean, Mm. the left is very scary to me. Like the populist left, the the kind of like, okay, the AOC, we're going to kind of protest. The way the populist right scares me, right? Like, you know, Ben Sass doesn't scare me. Conservatives don't scare me. Like, I'm scared by populism. Yeah, I I, I think the radical right and the radical left are is equally as toxic. Uh, but here's, here's something I want to get your thoughts on. Um, as, again, Dennis Prager brought this up, and I was like, man, that's a really good point. So... Because of this, what you're talking about, this this polarization, this populism, right? So on the radical left, it's you know it, it's so funny. Just all you have to do is remove the left and right, and the the copy is the same, right? They're shredding the Constitution. This candidate is the Antichrist, right? Like Obama was the Antichrist. Now Trump's the Antichrist, right? It doesn't matter, right? Just substitute on the sides. But as it comes to this whole you know voter collusion and the rigged you know the rigging the the whole you know election and all of this stuff. And he said, you know what? If I was convinced that Trump was the Antichrist and a Nazi, right? This is what Dennis Prager is talking about. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He goes, but if I was convinced Trump was a, was the Antichrist or the Nazi, I would rig the votes too. I would personally not. I would ensure, right, that he did not get elected. And I was like, wow, that's a great, uh, you know, being extremely transparent, Right. And hearkening back to and I would be this of the same way if I was living in Germany and I was a German, but not a Nazi. And the Nazi says, hey, do you have any you know, Jews here that we want to kill? I'd say no. I would be hiding them. Right. So I, I want to get your thoughts kind of on that polarization side is the, the whole election, you know, the, the fight and all that continues. But give, give me your thoughts as someone on the a true uh, liberal versus a radical left. Can I tell you though, there is a Holocaust beauty pageant for survivors, mm. and it's held in Israel. And the last one, the one that was eighty-three or something, and, 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 and there's actually a Holocaust survivor beauty pageant where they these eighty-year-old women 
are in bathing suits and things like this. And, 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 and you're trying to think like, what do you ask these people for like beauty pageant contests? Well, what are your skills? Hiding? <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, this is amazing, right? Like you have these like, so I don't, yeah, I, I, so this is Hitler references are awful. Um, and I, I don't think Trump, Trump is not Hitler. Neither is, you know, neither is Barack Obama. Everybody says these people are Hitler. Trump might be a little more autocratic than Obama, but like, but that's not, you know, we're still living in a democracy and like we can count the votes and Trump lost and he still has these protest votes and can't we all celebrate America in the sense of, you know, we, God, I mean, like, we're in a country where, like, it's so civilized, where we're counting votes. And, like, mm. you, you get to, like, have your lawyer come up and count the Oh, well, can we count the votes in Seattle? Of course you can. And the judge you know, puts on the robe. Like, and uh, I mean, why doesn't, why isn't everybody saying... God, that we're so grateful to live in a country where Evan Money and Scott Jones can sit around and banter about this thing that is so big, and yet we're all free. Like, we, I mean, and again, certain people aren't free. I mean, I there's racism, there's sexism, there's problems, there's, but man, I mean, where would you want to be, man? I mean, where would you want to be? Where exactly. would you want to be? Yeah, I mean, I was I was doing a podcast earlier today with a millennial friend of mine. We we have a kind of this uh, Gen X me talking to the millennials, and it, it's so interesting if if you hearken back to like, oh man, you know, it was so much better in Jesus's time. It's like, was it? You want to talk about police brutality? I mean, try living under Roman, you know, Roman rule, and right? you die from a hangnail. A hangnail yeah. is a death yeah. sentence. And, and you want to talk about political, right? Like this whole political adversary stuff. Like, you, you know, as as challenging as being in the mess, you know, the messiness of of where we are, it's so much better than it's ever been. I mean, even just refers to going back to the Hitler times, right? Of just like, dude, that was a mess. I mean, if you want to talk about an antichrist figure, right? It was like, you know, everyone's talking about it's the end of the world, it's doomsday. Well, that's what they said in World War II. Right. And so and there are all these articles written like the past two days about how many Republicans is Joe Biden going to put in his cabinet? Mm. I mean, like, I mean, this is beautiful. Like the guy is like going to put Republicans in his cabinet. I mean, like not that he's great or you don't have to like him or anything, but there's this evolving kind of thing where, where I don't know. I mean, would you really rather live in like, 18th century America or 14th century France, or here's this guy that has, you know, he's won the election and he's thinking of bringing Republicans in. And, and... No, I, I, I'm with you. It, if, yeah, the micro versus the macro, right? Instead of this hyper-focused on this one little thing, it's take a step back and go like, man, how blessed are we? You know, hearkening back to my inner Hamilton, right? How lucky we are to be alive right now that old Joe has reviewed and watched Designated Survivor and is seeing the light and saying, hey, 
let's bring some Republicans on the cabinet. Let's get some diversity. How cool is that? Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, this is also, we're going to be pulled out by the NSA. Like, is the NSA listening? We shut off. Or somebody will shut our, our stream down in the sense of, you can't talk sense. <laughs> too much common sense. What's going on? There's too on? much common sense. There's nothing, there's, there's no room for sense. So what's your biggest hope? Like over if Evan, so the next four months, right? Like Joe Biden becomes president. He's got a couple months. What are your biggest hope? Like, what would you imagine as a guy who didn't vote for Biden? What's the what like what do you think he does in your fantasy world? <laughs> I what I would love to see, uh, other than my personal responsibility, but what I think again, because really the president's real role is to kind of set the tone and be like, "Hey, let's go this way," right, and be this champion of hope, right. So the hope I would love for him to champion is a understanding that the biggest epidemic right now is not COVID or the pandemic. Rather, it's apathy. And so, I mean, whether you're in middle school, high school, college, you know, millennials, Gen X or whatever, there's this, again, epidemic of everyone being so apathetic. And I think if if Joe does, you know, you know, is able to oust Trump of the White House, right, and, and pull that off, I would love to him to say, hey, we've had enough of COVID now. Let's focus on de-apathizing everything. And this, you know, I've heard people talk about, oh, you know, the, this is, you know, in these times, it's almost like the Great Depression. No, it's not. What are you talking about? But there is this apathy that is continuing to grow. So I think in my world, I would love to see Joe bring hope and put away the pandemic and point towards, hey, the, the, the new future is here. Let's make, you know, let's make America great again. You know, let's be bipartisan and let's move forward. And I think that's what I would love to see. Jettison away from COVID that takes away the apathy and let's get moving again. That's what I'd love to see. And do you think like there would be room for entrepreneurs to invest if he did that? Yeah, see, that's that's my interesting thing as as someone who's faith based like yourself to say, you know, I'm a Democrat is still like, how is that possible? And to see, you know, someone to say that I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a Democrat. It's like, are you sure? Really? Is that is that possible? And I, I'm, it has to be. But for me, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's, you know, the ultimate hope is that the federal, like, again, Reagan 101, right? The government is the problem, right? Less federal government, more sovereignty of states, just leave the entrepreneur alone and let them get to work. And we're all going to be better off. So that that's kind of my hope there, too, that Joe kind of ease up uh, on all the federal burdens for an entrepreneurship and just let the business owners go. Yeah. And so do you think this is a good time for business? I mean, absolutely. I mean, let's harken back to what you were talking about, right? I mean, there's other countries where you don't have a choice, right? Like, okay, I don't even have a choice to be in business. So it's not about, see, here's the thing about entrepreneurs, right? Entrepreneurs don't need resources. They need to be resourceful. 
And so we just hearken back and look at these great, right? Like, oh my gosh, the rise of, you know, the upside down kingdom that we talk about as faith-based people, we are now going to see that in commercial real estate, right? Because all these Fortune 100s, Fortune 500s, and, you know, I had a friend who's a, you know, big in the Los Angeles County School District. They just jettisoned all, you know, all of their commercial real estate property. They're like, we don't need it. We can just work at home. So we're watching this great revolution. So this is the entrepreneur revolution that's happening. Like this is this is as exciting as you know, internet and e-commerce and all this coming about because it's this giant shift of how everyone does business. So how lucky we are to be alive right now. This is the time to be an entrepreneur. But how do you get someone off the dime as having money? Because I think everyone has a few thousand dollars or, or nothing. Not everyone has that, but like I'm saying there are people that have a few thousand dollars to play with, right? And they're thinking, I'm working at AT&T or at, you know, some food manufacturing thing as an executive or something. And they're thinking, I have this nest egg and I could become entrepreneurial. And everything in me says no, right? Like everything in me says it's risky. Everything in me says it's dangerous. Everything in me says I should hunker down and and just double down and put my money in my savings account. What would you say to somebody to be like, invest, take a risk, come on the money train? Like, what? How would you sell somebody to get on the train? Because you've been there. I mean, I know your story. You've been there. You've been in a place where like you had no money, like lit quite literally, no money, like negative money. Yes, negative money. Not not as quite as negative a billion like Trump, but that was, you know, paper-wise, yeah. but you still still have cash flow. But yeah, I'm talking about no cash flow, right? So here's here's my thing. So there are people that that's in them, right? And you have to let it out because if you try to cap it, if you try to cap what you're trying to get out of you, and for those that are the entrepreneurs or the freedom seekers or the dreams and goals that God has put inside you, because I believe we're all preloaded with greatness. And so if you keep trying to bottle that greatness and put a lid on the greatness in guise of, well, you know, I got a family and, you know, we got to worry about keeping the house and we got to worry about college tuition and da, 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 da. Everyone that I've known or people that I've known, friends of friends, anyone that's put that lid on, because if you try to cap it, it's going to come out somewhere. And for a lot of people, it looks like porn addiction, right? I have, again, a friend of mine, right? Always wanted to start his own business. Man, I want to do this business. I love to start a business. He had the plan. He was always working on, man, I love to be an entrepreneur. I love to do this. He had a good corporate job, Fortune 100, had the big house, three kids. And he's like, well, I can't give this up because, you know, I got to pay for that mortgage and I got to do this and I got to do this. And because he capped that entrepreneurial dream, it turned into a porn addiction. I see other people that turn to substance abuse or turns into, you know, all kinds of different ways it leaks out. So if you're capping that inner spirit, that inner dream, it's always going to lead to pain and problems. So the question to that executive is saying, hey, do you want these decimal points? You know, those decimal points on the screen that you're this perceived security is only going to give you pain and problems. So, but what happened wanna, to that porn addiction guy? 
So it, again, crisis in the marriage, the whole thing, da 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 da, is still a work in progress. Um, and that's the other part, right? It's not again, it's the messiness of life, right? So it's not, how do I hold this family together? What are we gonna do? And da 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 da. So I would encourage a person. It's again, you whatever you're holding on to, God has something better. So if you want to hold on to that perceived security and those pain and problem, that's the other thing. God will let you. He'll let go right ahead. You know, go for it. But if you want to let go of those pain and problems and realize, gosh, there's so much more out there, uh, that's what I would tell that executive. Uh, again, whether it's a wanting to do something on the side, whether it's wanting to cash in and go all in, it's really about, again, you, you got to let that greatness out without trying to cap it. Because again, disease, addiction, whatever, all, all the challenges of the world, right? Like take sex trafficking, Scott Ken Jones, right? The issue is not sex trafficking. The issue is the customer. If there weren't any customers, sex trafficking would not exist. So it's like, how much pain and problem is that customer going through to want to relieve his pain and problems in this way, right? And I guarantee you the people that are going down those paths, right, have capped their dreams and their greatness for whatever reason. So it's not the, how do we end sex trafficking? You end sex trafficking by helping people unleash the greatness that's God already put in them. But on some level, couldn't we even laws say, we also punish the sex trafficker? Like, laws have some place, right? Like, oh, we're not talking about the badlands. Like, we're not talking about, like, anarchy, right? No, no, no. But but let me let me give you a fun, a fun stat. A lot of people don't know. So you've heard of Salvation Army, right, Scott? Yeah, incredible global organization. I mean, spectacular. So I've had some great, met some great folks over there, still have some great ties in that organization. And in 1865, William Booth founded the Salvation Army. And do you know what his big crusade was? His first big thing like, okay, this is what I want to eradicate in the world. Do you want to know what that was, Scott Ken Jones? I would guess slavery, but maybe not. With child sex trafficking in London. Oh, wow. Yes. So this thing like, oh, my gosh, we, you know, this is new problem, this new issue. There's nothing new about it. So, yes, we still need those laws of all that. But it's going back to like, OK, let's or even prison reform. Right. Like it, it's we got to relook at this in so many different ways of, OK, you know what what's you know, let's get again back to the root of what radical is. Let's get to the root. Right. The root of sex trafficking is who is the clientele and why are they doing this? So let's figure that part out, right? So I think it's really about getting to the root of everything. And you and I talked about, I would love to get to the root of why it has to be a two-party system. You know, that root of, I, I love how you say it, right? The Republicans and Democrat only agree on one thing. They agree that they want a two-party system. Yeah, exactly. So I, I had this fantasy. I want to see you with the post-election Trump, like because you're a great guy and you could, I think, connect with him. Right. Like, I think you could connect with him, like, because you're a relational guy. What would you say to Trump? I mean, imagine you're sitting with Trump. Mm. What do you say to him? Like, what do you, you know, he, like, he would never call a coach. I mean, that's not, I, I don't think that's in in his essence. But, yeah. but if he did, like, what would you say? Like, you're sitting with Trump after the election loss. What do you say? I would say to Donald Trump, 
And well, first I'll tell you this, and I'll tell you the the core reason why he ran for president. Because I know there's a lot of people wondering, like, why does he even run anyway? So I would say, and you you know, people that know him, yes, pretty. So I would say to Donald Trump that actually I did invite Donald Trump to my one of my first seminars that I did. Because one of my first seminars I did was at the Trump National Course right by my house in beautiful Rancho Palos Verdes. So I did invite Donald to the to speak at the event. So sadly, he was unable to make it. But uh, so, yeah, so we do have some ties. What there, did, but he I say? Was, did he write? He write a letter. I just can't make it. Or- God, I had a beautiful letter of just sorry, bro. Can't do it. And I was like, hey, I got I get it. I understand. Did he say fantastic? I think it's going to be a fantastic event. It's going to be spectacular. So uh, with that, I would just let Donald Trump know. And also to everyone that is, you know, the billions of listeners that are watching this is that learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. And the key word there is learning because so many people think by default, like, yo, you should just love yourself. You should just know how. No, no, it's a learned skill. And so Trump as the you know, the rough rider of the 20th century, right? Or the 21st century, you know, obviously there's some, uh, you know, <laughs> some self-worth challenges. Obviously there's father-son issues. Obviously there is a self-worth and, and all of that. So I would just encourage Trump to, again, dive to do the deep work and really focus on learning to love himself because that will be the key to everything. Because the reason Trump ran for president, just so everyone knows, is that for over two decades, Trump has been trying to buy an NFL football team. That was the whole reason he started the the other football league, uh, USFL, way back when, and paid the big money to Doug Flutie. And, you know, I think he was the, the general, New Jersey generals or something like that. So Trump has been trying to buy an NFL team for two decades, but that little club wouldn't let him in. They didn't want Trump in there. They're like, he's going to cause too many problems. Forget it. We don't want Trump. We don't want Trump. So when Trump, you know, was going to, he had, when the Buffalo Bills came up for sale, maybe six, seven years ago, he called the the previous owner and said, Hey, I'll have a cashier's check for $1 billion next day aired to you. I want to buy the team. And they said, no, sorry, Trump. So it was then that he made the decision because it was like, well, if they're not going to let me in the NFL, I'll just be president. (laughs) So that is, again, that real reason going back to that self-worth of like, hey, what does the bully really need, Scott Kent Jones? The bully just needs love. So yeah. Trump's presidency has been about exposing this you know, self-image crisis and this, hey, self-worth challenge of just, man, just do the deep work and learn to love yourself. That's exactly what I would tell. You would do great for him. He would get reelected if he had you. You could be his um, Steve Bannon, but a better... So how would you pitch Christianity to Trump? Like if, if you had to, if, if Trump was like, okay, Evan, here's the thing. I, I, I romance and, and wine and dance the evangelicals, but what is Christianity? What would you say to him? I would tell, that's a great question, actually. So I, I would assume that Pence, you know, has already had this discussion with him because my understanding from the inner circle is that uh, Pence is the real deal when it comes to to faith in action, right? Actually putting into action. I had one guy who met with him before he became vice president said they did a, you know, went to his office to meet, did this whole thing. And 
there on his desk, right? The scriptures were like right there, not as like this token dust thing, but like, hey, he was just reading the scriptures before he met with us. So that was pretty encouraging. But I would tell Trump that it's the ultimate power because at our at our core, core base, you know, sinful man, right? Sex, money, power. Those are the three drivers, right? So I would just I would just tell Trump, man, this is the ultimate power that you've been missing. And so once he really dives in and realizes like, oh, yeah, if you give it all up, you get it all back. Yeah. And that's something I've been walking through and continue because it's not this. Oh, I figured it out. Right. It's just this continual journey as you peel the onion. But I would just share with him. It's the the ultimate power. I like that. I mean, you're the best. So here's the thing for millions of billions of listeners. Where can they find you more? Oh, Scott Kent Jones. It's all about finding you, my friend. It's all about finding you. This is just uh, the tip of the iceberg, right? So for those that need to jump on Scott Kent Jones and really dive into give and take, that is probably one of the Oh, coolest. boy. you don't, I don't need oh. that. No, yes, you do. We love give and take. We love Scott Kent Jones. And we have at least seven people on Facebook right now watching us. See? That's right, but seven turns to seven billion just like that. But as you know, Scott Kent Jones, just so you know, for those that didn't know as we close the show here, that those numbers aren't reality. Those yeah. are the numbers that Facebook is showing you. And so whether it's Facebook or IG or any of that, I don't just want to throw Facebook under the bus, but everybody does it, right? Those numbers are arbitrary. Yeah. And if you want to pay for ads, then they'll sell you the people that were watching back to you so you feel better about yourself. So numbers are definitely arbitrary. So um, it, it's all about, you know, we talk about the one, right? The classic, the seashell, right? The kid throwing the sea, the uh, starfish, you know, it was a super low tide. There's all these starfish stranded on the beach and they're dying and those little kids throwing them back in the water. And, you know, and the old man's like, hey, kid, well, you're wasting your time. Look, there's millions of these sea stars out here. You're not going to help. You're not going to make a dent, right? He's like, well, I helped that one. So there is someone watching this show right now because of your questions, some of the things we shared are going, wow, you know what? If those two guys can have intelligent conversations and they're on both sides of the aisle, you know what? Maybe I can have a great discussion with yeah. my millennial friend. Or for the, you know, there's this whole thing now going on, Scott, where parents and their millennial kids are saying, if you vote for Trump, I'm not going to talk to you again. I mean, talk about insanity, right? So it's like we can bridge this gap of saying, hey, you can totally disagree and still have an intelligent conversation. So I think there's definitely hope, uh, regardless of what the alleged numbers say. So, and also you could fly us to your church socially distanced or your Rotary Club. And Evan and I would do this live on the show. Like we'd be socially distanced and you're socially distanced. But we come and socially distance, hang out with you and just bring our version of love and goodness to your community, whether it's Omaha or New York or or the White um, House. Or the White House. Like just bring us in. I mean, because we're two guys that love each other and and like gosh, like we're like really we like each other. Love and like each other. And so across lots of cultural boundaries. So here we go. I mean, bring us in. Learning, laughing, loving with Scott Ken Jones and Evan Money. It's been an honor, my friend. Always. Thanks so much for listening to this episode 
of learning, laughing, and loving with Evan Money and Scott Jones. If you like what you've heard here, please do something for us. Go to iTunes and write a review. Give us a rating. Tell people. Share it on social media. If you found something you love here, share the love and goodness with the world. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, friends, fare thee well.